0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. Well, hello! I'm so excited that you are you are here with me, Angie. Now I was gonna say Angie Smart, but is it Angie Kirkham Smart? Angie Smart. Well, it's Angie Kirkham Smart, but now it's Angie Goff. Angie Goff. So, awesome. Got
1: married in February. Yeah. The second time. So yeah.
0: Um, Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird transition. I I catch myself sometimes not with the right name. I know <laughs> I was thinking
0: about that this morning. I'm like I'm not sure what to what name to introduce you as cuz I know how names are very meaningful to you. And in fact, the first time we ever met was we were talking about names and significance. And anyway, I love that. And one of the reasons why I, you know, as I was thinking through who I wanted to first have on the podcast, of course, you naturally came up because the conversations that we've had are always fascinating. And I remember being in Sedona, do you remember when I came up in the kitchen and you were citing scripture and I'm like that's where I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I was pissy about it too cuz I've definitely had to make my peace with with I have friends in my life like you that are not Mormon anymore but still find a lot of truth in scriptural text. Yeah. And you are you are one of those. So yeah, I naturally wanted to have you have you on the podcast. So thank you for coming on and I actually don't know your Mormon story. So I'm really excited. Well, really I yeah. know. <laughs> so were you born and raised Mormon? Um, Yep. I was
1: born and raised Mormon in Bountiful, Utah. Bountiful. So, you know, land of plenty. And yeah, I had a lot of people joke with me because growing up, I thought that Bountiful was like literally heaven on earth. I, I loved it so much. And um, my first husband kind of was like you just wish we'd live in Bountiful. And I kind of did at first. I'm grateful that I didn't stick around and stay there my whole, you know, life. But um, yeah, it's, it's where I grew up. But I've lived all over the country. Right after high school, I got out of here and went to lived in California for a while. And then I was nanny in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. came back, got married. And then about eight Nine years later, moved again. And um, for his work, we kind of lived all over the country. So I've had a lot of experiences. It was coming back here um, in 2016 that really, I was already having a number of things, but um, that was kind of really eye-opening coming back into Utah. Oh, really? After living away for a decade.
0: So had you been Mormon up until that point then?
1: Yeah. um, However, that's not really my my pivotal moment that uh, you know but it was a big pivotal moment that is when I really just stopped going yeah. to church and um my eyes were just really wide open at that point uh, just feeling the energy in Utah which you mm. know I um having lived all over I'd lived in North Carolina I'd lived in Cincinnati I'd lived in Seattle I'd lived a number of places for 10 years that um were very um uh, had a lot of um, colorful mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. you know experiences yeah. and um, I mingled with had so many friends in all kinds of denominations and stuff and then coming back here um, in a nutshell, I would say I could just feel the um, judgment in the air, which was so weird. I mean, I grew up here, I didn't ever notice it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, i um, not even looking for it, I could just feel it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it kind of went from there. But yeah, I had some other things that happened at, in fact, 10 years earlier that had kind of started my questioning. And um, do you care to share?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, when I first got married, uh, and and what I do now today it has everything to do with my whole entire story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but when I first got married in 1998, I had um, debilitating back pain start, and that um, it just got worse and worse and worse. And within uh, four months of getting married, I decided I needed to get an annulment. And I did I had two guys that wanted to marry me. And so it created some confusion, especially when you're growing up and believing so much in right and wrong. Like, so I had to make it so black and white that there's one of these is right. And one of these guys is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I it's interesting to go back and even read my journal at the time I was writing in my journal nearly every day all the way through high school and after high school and stuff. And, um, and so I even had like a pros and cons list of these two guys that Mm -hmm. you know that I cared about and um so I made the best choice I thought possible and um moved forward and about a couple months into the engagement um I decided you know what I think I'm going too fast I broke off the engagement and uh with the intention of just seeing that other guy and seeing like okay Mm -hmm. am I um marrying who I really, truly do love. And, um, that went, ended up going nowhere because on the first date, um, literally all hell broke loose with that guy. Mm. And so, um, it just kind of caused me to pause at that point, And I started going and praying, doing all the things that, you know, you're told pray and read your scriptures. I spent lots of time praying and reading my scriptures and, um, Nothing was really coming, but I felt like I was ruining both of these guys' lives, mm-hmm. so it was like, just make a decision, yeah, so I did, and um then went forward with the marriage and um, and then right after I got married, back pain started, and then four months into it, decided to get an annulment, and with that, I did what probably a lot of Mormons do is went and talked to my counseled with my bishop about it, you know. And Mm -hmm. my bishop was like, Oh, no, no, you're just getting cold feet. This is normal, you know. Um, just, you know, just muscle through it, go home and pray and and stuff. And I did, and a week later, making another appointment with him, nope, I think I'm still at the same conclusion. I I think I need to get an annulment. And I was told again, no, 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 like you're just not understanding your feelings. Mm -hmm. And um so went home, did some more praying a week later made another appointment and literally in a month I saw my bishop um, at least once a week. And that last time when I called uh, the fourth time, he said, well, I'll only see you if you bring your husband too. Mm. So I took my husband knowing if I go with him, I'm going to have two men yeah. telling me I don't know my feelings mm-hmm. and that, you know, I'm going to have to um, listen to that. Yeah. And sure enough, and I remember leaving that appointment and like literally like feeling defeated.
0: Yeah,
1: I knew what I needed. I knew what I wanted. And I felt defeated. And I um, walked away going, well, suck it up, Angie. And you know, just just do this thing. You've married him now, you know, just move on. Yeah. And, um, and I, the last thought was, I guess your feelings don't matter you know, to myself. Mm-hmm. So I did, I went on, we, we, um, I don't know about a year later, we started to start trying to have kids and, um, we did, we had four kids successfully. And, um, but one of the moments that was really, um, huge for me was living with this debilitating back pain and, uh, seeing a, a ton of doctors throughout the years, at least a dozen. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, in in 2000, so I was married in 98. In 2006, uh, I had been studying the mind body soul connection for about mm-hmm. a year, really in depth, and finally realized, okay, I got to apply everything I'm learning, and I did. I sat down one night, I applied it. Um, I won't get into that. There was a lot of mental reframing and visualizing, and um, gratitude was involved and compassion for my younger version of myself, and. Um, and then I woke up the next morning and I was pain free. Mm, wow. And, you know, I had like all those years, mm-hmm. eight, at least eight, where I would had dozens or more um, blessings and prayed nightly that this pain would go away. And when doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with me, and then I was really at a loss. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden the pain's gone, but I knew exactly what I'd done. Yeah. I applied everything I'd been learning about healing and it worked. And so I, of course I, my husband saw me wake up without pain and he's like, what is going on? Like you're not in pain and right. and you normally are. And I said, yeah, I think everything I did last night worked. This is crazy. And I was in a state of disbelief probably for a few years thinking any day it could come back. This pain could come back. Yeah. Like, Have I really done this? And um, as I talked to some of my siblings that, you know, oh, you didn't do that, Angie. It was all the, all the blessings finally worked. And I was like, well, that's not the God I believe in. Like, why would yeah. a God withhold a blessing, you know, uh-huh. that I want or need? Mm-hmm. So I'd understood how to get myself into alignment, thoughts, feelings, actions, you know. And I just call it inner alignment. And I'd been out of alignment. I'd been going against myself for so many years. And um, I stayed married for another seven years after that, um, seven, eight years. And, uh, so it wasn't so much the marriage, it was the belief. Um, but yet that belief was really limiting. And and I know there's tons of people that hear about limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. but this one had everything to do with my religion. I'd heard my mom be unhappy in her marriage growing up and that, um, unhappiness. And as I heard her literally say, I should have married this other guy. Mm -hmm it instilled in me the deepest fear because growing up Mormon and knowing that when you get married, you're married for time right, and that's all it. eternity. Yeah. And there's no going back, you know, and my, my younger mind couldn't wrap my head around like, well, what if I make the wrong choice? And so I, I've told ta- told people, yes, I do actually use scripture. Sometimes I'm like, it's like Job said, the thing I feared had come upon me. Yeah. And that's really what I was living this deepest fear. And, um, and it had turned into back pain because the body's an instrument of the mind and my mm. body, that's what, you know, I was going against myself. So it resulted in illness and decay and um, disease and whatever, what have you. And so um, when I got myself right with myself, the pain was gone, mm. you know? And so for family that's members, it is, yeah. you know, and, and I still sat in awe going, okay, wait, 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 if this is really how it works, then we're all fooled being told that only men have the ability to heal you or they are the only ones that hold the power or whatever. And so as I share my story, I tell people, no, I actually got to a point where I recognized where personal power comes from, mm. and that we all have that power. Mm-hmm. And it is innately in us from the moment we enter this reality, right. you know, and we come here with it, so that we're never apart from it. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, if we are taught not to believe that we have it, then we'll believe just that, yeah. and that power will be somewhere outside of ourselves. And so when I chose to tap into it. So that's really where my story of leaving religion ended up starting was way back in 2006, even though I didn't officially completely stop going. But at that point, you can guess that my my comments in Sunday school class and relief society started to get really a little bit out there for some people. You were the
0: problem child of the ward, even not, you know, I yeah. use child comically, but I'm yeah, that yeah. Was, I would be entertaining to sit in that class and go, oh,
1: what's Angie going to ask today? And I did. I actually had a lot of people come and grab me after classes sometimes and be like that was profound. Like yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Or oh, I love that, Angie. Thank you for sharing that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. And so I didn't, I didn't shy away. But I'm not one to do that. I am a pretty <laughs> no, bold and yeah. you know person. So, um, I just spoke what was on my mind. And really, kind of, I love to get people to really think mm-hmm. outside the box. So I, if I had something come to mind, I would share it and say it. And. And so that was kind of how I existed for almost the next 10 years. Um, And then before I moved back from Seattle, I had really um, dove deep starting about 2012 into, um, into how the mind works the science of thinking, um, science of being, and, um, really started to study metaphysical things. Um, the, the spiritual aspect of things really fascinated me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was starting to feel way more connected than ever before, Mm. but, um, it didn't come with, you know, um, doing all the things, checking the boxes and, um, all of that. It came with, Uh, clearing my mind and meditation and,
0: um, some of the things that a lot of people think are kind of out there, but Mm -hmm. um, some of the things really back then you were, we were cautioned not to. Right. In the religion. I mean, I remember the first time I ever said the word energy around my family, you would have thought I said something satanic. Yeah. And that's what was taught back then is that you don't do that because usually this is what would happen. People will start coming to another place within themselves that they hadn't accessed before doing all the Mormon things. right? And so they, the church didn't really want you to access that part from my experience, from my belief system. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of um, what I had experienced as well. Um, But uh, I went through my divorce in 20, started in 2014, took about a year and a half. Um, So by 2015, I was completely fully single. Well, in 2014 I was too. We'd separated, but um, and I took that year and a half while I was going through a divorce to really just um dive deep into understanding myself and who I am, why I'm here. and um, mm. I did not go about it in traditional religious ways. Um I would literally just have conversations with God, like just talking sometimes to my ceiling. And all of a sudden I started to get answers like profound answers and quickly yeah. and I started thinking well this is interesting like um, I was always taught to pray and then the answers would come well now I it was almost like I could describe it as I always had a prayer in my heart I always had a connection uh-huh. in my heart in other words and so I would see um, answers in everything you know mm-hmm. and, and we've heard that like, like oh you can get an answer from a magazine cover or mm-hmm. from a movie mm-hmm. or from a you know and what I started to realize was it was my awareness was expanding. Mm-hmm. And if you stay, like a way to think about it is if you stay in a box, you're never going to see what's outside of that box, mm-hmm. right? I love Plato's um, cave um, analogy, right? That if you live in a cave, then that's that's going to be your whole whole world. But yet mm-hmm. there's this beautiful world outside there. Yeah. And so when I started to um, think outside the box or question things um, that I'd never questioned before, it was like I got answers immediately. Hmm. Um, Even down to well, we were talking a little bit earlier about quantum entanglement, like I started studying quantum entanglement. And three months later, I met a gentleman I'm quantum entangled with. Mm -hmm. And that's another story. But (laughs) those that's an example of what would happen. Like I would question something, kind of go down that path a little bit. And um, look for proof because I am a pretty analytical mind. Mm -hmm. So I would like to prove situations and theories and things and all of a sudden I'd be like oh well that's interesting it's happened you know in my life and so I would see proof of things almost immediately um but I was inquiring a lot and I was seeking and so um that was kind of where everything started was in 2006 when I healed my back and then leaving um actually going to church I stopped Within a couple months of moving back here, mm-hmm. um, it just felt wrong. It just was not a safe place anymore. Meaning, um, I never really felt unsafe, but um, I started to see how it, they just wanted everyone to conform to the same modality of thinking, the same you know mm-hmm. operation of living your life, and and I I didn't. And so, my kids, I gave them choices immediately. Like if I'm not going to go then they get to choose. And yeah. my boys immediately stopped going. I have mm-hmm. two boys and two girls. And and my girls kept going for a little while for more of the social mm-hmm. aspect of it. And mm-hmm. within a couple of years, both my girls had stopped. And um, to listen to my kids, they're very aware. And they're all very unique and different too. They're not like just yeah. following, doing whatever. They've each got their own reasons why, Mm -hmm. you know, and their own experiences. And I have never forced it on any of them. But my ex-husband, I think he still considers himself active Mormon, but he doesn't. It's really interesting. I just watch him go and not go whenever it suits him. So, you know, I I really started to look at, there's so many um, Mormons that say they believe one thing and they're living their life completely different. It's yeah. like, you're
0: not even in alignment with your belief.
1: Yeah. Like, So why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> Part <laughs> you know? of it's
0: just the programming and this is just what we do, right? Yeah. And the society, especially if you live in something somewhere like Utah, where it takes a lot of courage in my experience to step out of a system that has been ingrained in most people for however long. And it usually gets to a point to where it feels so wrong or so there's such a profound experience to where it's like you can't not keep choosing in or you just you can't you can't anymore and you have that courage then finally to step out but right I, th- I think that be- is more normal lately especially lately with people choosing to do that way where they're kind of Mormon yeah but Are they, you know, are they really? And that's their choice. I mean, if they want to yeah, have that experience, that's great. So when you're talking about how you had, you would have conversations with the ceiling with God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how did that idea even come in into your awareness, just because you were starting to kind of expand this idea of something greater? And so you wanted to kind of test it and play with it? Or what was your you remember
1: yeah kind of what I recall happening when I I, when I had my very first conversation just with my ceiling or with God (laughs) was I was um it was a really rough time in my marriage and I was uncovering a lot of like actually really stupid little lies Mm -hmm. which um I would venture to say there's a lot of relationships out there that aren't fully authentic and Mm -hmm. so little white lies exist and so it wasn't like this gigantic thing but I was like, why would my husband lie about that? That's so stupid. Like, that is so dumb. And one morning I remember waking up and thinking, well, if my own reality in this marriage has been warped by a few little white lies, and I actually thought I was living a different reality than was really going on, then what out there, outside of this marriage, outside of my home, am I believing that mm. it has, you know, that is? totally shaded or jaded my reality. Mm -hmm. And so I woke up one morning thinking about that. And I just started talking. It literally sounded something like this. I was like, all right, God. So if I'm fooled within my marriage, then what am I fooled with out there? I, I'm ready for the truth. I want it all. And I mm. started to get really passionate and I was like having a really passionate conversation. And I was like, all right, God, <laughs> give it to me. Like I want, I don't want just some of the truth. Yeah. I want all the truth and I want to see it so clearly. And it, I know that, you know, my, the way I would describe it is that in that moment, that was me opening myself up, stepping outside of the box yeah, to say I'm sure. ready to see what I haven't been ready to see before, yeah. and I'm willing to look at it and um, question it, and mm. not just, you know, um, close my eyes to it and pretend like it doesn't exist. And so, in that moment, I, I was like I said, I was studying um, the science of and thinking, and I'd actually hired one of the greatest thought leaders in the world. Um, I had been intrigued with thoughts, feelings, Mm -hmm. actions, since I'd healed my back in 2006. So here we were, eight, seven, eight years later, still intrigued with it. And um, with that came, you know, studying some of these teachers that and looking at their background, well, what were they? Oh, well, this guy was 33rd degree Mason. Oh, this one. And so I kind of went down that and went, what is this about thirty mm-hmm. third degree masons? Mm-hmm. And it's not like I, I know everything about masonry, but I started to understand um, and and recognized that there was certain um, powerful beings on Earth. That mm-hmm. had a lot of money or had a lot of authority and <laughs> for whatever reasons, you know, and I started going, huh, what's going on? And I, yeah. and that's when I really started to see a lot more patterns like you and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. And, um, I saw different dates, things that had happened either within the Mormon church, um, or outside and went, okay, wait, this keeps showing up. What's the significance of 911? What's mm-hmm. the sign, you know, and so because I was just curious, I just kept going down pathways and looking at different things and it kept you know sparking more interest on different things. So there was a lot that I opened myself up to, but none of it did it ever scare me mm-hmm. or, um, I, I don't, I'm not one to get super angry. Um, I had, you know, people, I've had lots of my own clients and different people say, how can you leave religion and not be angry at it? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, because everything serves its purpose. Like, So I figure if I was in a place at a certain time, that's what I was ready for. And when I was no longer needing it, I graduated, (laughs) you know, or I left. And so I've never had a lot of
0: ill feelings.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's wasted energy personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, it's so, it is a, it is fascinating to watch everybody in their unique journey with how they transition out. And there is a lot of people that do get angry and have a lot of hate and, and, and one of them, and I was hesitant to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. But one of them is the programming that happens in the Mormon religion. Yeah. And because you actually know a lot about this, um, do you care to speak about that a little? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What I
1: want to, what I share with individuals is that once I did understand um, after studying um, the mind and um, programming, I realized like my own experience, hearing my mom say I should have married so-and-so growing up, I found myself having that exact same inner dialogue. And so I went, oh my gosh, like I was programmed because our environment programs us, Mm -hmm. words program us. Mm -hmm. But if you could understand experience teaches so words program experience teaches. And when I started to apply that to the religion, I went, you know what? There's so much in religion that they, they fear you from having certain experiences. Mm-hmm. So why? When experience is the greatest teacher, why am I told don't do this? Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's just constant, you know, mm-hmm. and, Yet um there's plenty of words. There's so many words. Read your scriptures, read them daily, do over and over and over and over. And I and I had actually been applying repetitive reading to my my own life, you know, and realized how much I could learn from the process of repetition. Mm-hmm. But it's really when you break it down, it's really actually programming. Mm-hmm. You learn from having an experience. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I started going, well, you know, why why do we have to avoid certain experiences? And then I would realize, you know, go to conference or you go to a sacrament meeting and and they even share that. I don't know. I think it's a scripture somewhere like the vain repetition. Of, oh yeah. You know, and there's this scripture that talks about those that practice vain repetition. And I went, Wait a minute. That's exactly what they do. <laughs> they practice vain repetition. It's a it's in the sacrament every single week. Yeah. You know, how many people actually drop into their heart in that mm-hmm. moment and mm-hmm. and enter that space? Or are they thinking about a million other things as they sit there quietly trying to be quiet in a you know, a chapel and they take bread and water and it's like, oh, this is what we do every week. And they're not thinking about you know, and really entering the spirit, the spirit of it, or the, um, state of being of that, Mm -hmm. they're just vainly doing these acts that Mm -hmm. is just over and over and over again. And so, um, that's kind of some of it that I noticed, you know, and then it's just like the same lessons over and over. You cycle through all of the things every four Mm -hmm. years in your Sunday school and, um, and, and then I was that person that would kind of go outside the box. And if I opened my mouth up too much, it was like, let's change the subject. Oh, we're, okay. Well, we're done with that question. Right. We're moving on. And it's like, why is everyone so uncomfortable talking about <laughs> anything Different and everything? Different ideas with the <laughs> yeah. same
0: topic. Yeah. I remember yeah. teaching a gospel doctrine lesson and I had I had some older people in my, in my class. And I remember it was a lesson around... Um, The eye of the needle, that camel, like the camel can't enter through, you know, that hole. Straight as the gate and the way. Yeah. And there was I was telling how I had done research and it actually was a very literal literal meaning that at night they would close the city walls. I I don't know why I'm telling the story, but I guess I'm going to tell the story. Anyway, at night they would close the city walls and they would close the main gates. And so a camel couldn't enter through the eye, the door, that looked like a keyhole with if it had too much baggage on it. It just literally couldn't fit through it. And so that was part of where the scripture on some of those things went through. And So it, it led into an interesting conversation of what does this really mean? And I remember something I said upset the hell out of one of the older members and we got into it. And it actually kind of went into the whole, anyway, it's a long story, but it was entertaining for me to, to watch because I was like that. I was that teacher that would try to bring up things to actually expand. Like, what if there's something else here instead of what we've been thinking or being taught for so long? And anyway, so I was similar to you. I'd actually got letters after I left religion of, I can't go to Sunday school anymore. It's so boring. I miss your <laughs> lessons, because there is that part of us that you, you know. At the most part, we do want to be stretched and we want to think differently and we want to step out of the box. And that's why a lot of us have chosen to step out of religion. And, you know, in your experience where you're talking about the programming that, that you're seeing in multiple facets and obviously very much in religion, do you feel like being able to see it there actually allowed, like, what were the gifts in that for you? Did you feel like being Mormon actually provided some really great tools for you that you then use for the rest of your life? You know, I, I kind of look at it as...
1: Uh, well i don't know anything different right yeah. i was raised mormon i didn't know anything different i did learn in my travels like that how um Many people don't understand, like when I first arrived to be a nanny at age 19 in Connecticut, my employer picked me up at the airport and on the hour drive back to their house, she's asking me about the covered wagons and the things oh, that yeah. like, and I said, I think you're confusing me with the Amish, like, <laughs> we're not like, <laughs> we don't churn butter. like <laughs> yeah, And she's like, Oh, that's so interesting, you know, and we, we'd had plenty of conversations. Um, of course we didn't have a video conferencing back then, but we had plenty of conversations over the phone that, and she never asked about any of that, but, um, I just realized how little people know mm-hmm. or knew, you know, and then living all over, I had, I had friends that were Methodist, friends that were Catholic, friends that were Buddhist, friends that were like from all over, you can imagine living in Seattle. I had yeah. like all kinds of friends, um, And just realizing and and seeing people's actions when they don't um, actually put off an energy or put off a a sense that they think you're different than them. They just Mm -hmm. see you as a human, you know, and that is really interesting. But yeah, I don't know that I just, that's all I know. I only knew a Mormon background. And so... um, I have no idea what it would have been like not being, you know, not having that as my background and mm-hmm. have I lended to towards it? Yeah. But the interesting part is, um, I do quote scriptures. I quote from any book where I feel like there's been truth. Yeah. Now here's, what's funny. I never quote from the book of Mormon. Oh really? <laughs> Ever. Um, uh, there's a few, uh, scriptures in like DNC that I've used over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, you know, that there's a, a law irrevocably decreed in heaven, mm-hmm. and that when we obtain any blessing in this life, it's because we have obeyed a law. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. When we go with the law, we reap the the results that we desire. Mm-hmm. When we go against a law, we don't get what we desire. So mm-hmm. that one resonates with me because it's just saying, you know, you're following the law or you're not following the law. And what is that law? It's the law of love. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, is you know law of creation. But um, I quote from the the Bible, there's been a lot that have come to my mind. And quite frankly, this is not something I could really even help others understand. But I I get so much more out of anything that I read in there. I have a way deeper understanding, and it literally just comes to me. And I know that that's just awareness. Since you left Mormonism or even when you were in? No, since. And I know that, um, you know, they they say that the first five books, for instance, of the New Testament written by Moses, that he wrote it in code so that if he knew that people's hands would get on it, that they would try to change things, but the codes are there. Mm-hmm. And now doing what I do with um, mindset reprogramming and mm-hmm. DNA reprogramming, that I understand how certain codes get lit up in us, mm-hmm. just like mine. That, that's a very good example. Hearing my mom say something, it lit up a code which caused back pain, and it was the same back pain my mom had, same back pain my grandma had. Mm-hmm. Well, it it would not have turned into back pain yeah. if I never had those codes lit up in me, mm-hmm. you know, and sound is everything in the beginning. It was the word, yeah. the verb, the sound, that's yeah. what it is, you know? And so we create from sound. And so by hearing certain words, they can light up um, c- certain remembrances in our um, consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so I've just really used that a lot and I don't, yeah. So I don't know what I would have been like not being raised Mormon and having that background, but I didn't, I wasn't raised in a hardcore, you know, Mormon family. Mm -hmm. My, my parents tried to have us go to church every Sunday. We were active. We did not have family home evening. We did not say family prayers on a regular basis. And, but did I, yeah, I I kneeled at my bedside, Mm -hmm. even on my own, you know, and, and all of those things I did tried my best to follow the rules and everything but um that's it's all I have for my yeah like to go off of yeah so I've when you
0: when you did finally make that choice to step out did you feel like you went through any grieving phases at all or did it because you had already started unraveling what you know 10 years earlier was it 10 years
1: yeah it was 2006 so you know what, That's that has been an interesting topic, especially right now, a lot of people are talking about awakening and things like mm-hmm. that, right? And sometimes an awakening can prompt a leaving a religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had friends leave, not just Mormonism, I've had friends leave. Catholicism mm-hmm. like they've their waking up has been very similar to my friends that wake up you know that are Mormon
0: and so I want to pause you for just a second yeah. because some people may not understand what an awakening is or waking up is do you mm-hmm. mind just speaking to that for just a second so that we can put a little context behind that
1: sure it, I think that when when we wake up we start to re- realize that um that there's an illusion that we've been living under You know, and that illusion can be all kinds of things. Like that's why I say my awakening or my leaving religion, it all started in 2006 when I tapped into a personal power
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: I truly believe everyone has access to, right. but you have to believe it. Yeah. And so if you don't change that belief, um, if you've always believed it's in someone else's hands, even a doctor or whatever, then you are going to be right. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to wait on that doctor to heal you or on the priesthood holder to bless you. And um, awakening is just realizing your infinite worth. Yeah. And you're your, more than this human body and this yeah. existence. And the way that I describe it is we're all a God seed. Um, I don't care what you what you think of as a source, you know, mm-hmm. there's some something creating something, right. something creating all of us. And so in my, my vernacular, I say we are all a God seed. Uh-huh. So you are a literal seed, you have God seed in you, you have God power in mm-hmm. you. But if you think it's outside of yourself, you're going to wait for a while till, it, till you actually right. access it. And so that's kind of my idea of awakening is mm-hmm. just realizing who I really am. And that is I am a being of light and love. And, um, you know, and then nobody can take any of that from me. Yeah. So unless I give it away and many give it away unconsciously, they're just yeah. giving away their power. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think some yeah. people don't know. And yeah. so that's why it's like I wanted to pause for a minute and just touch on that for a second. But to continue your story as far as, you know, was it a grieving process when you stepped out and yeah. Right.
1: So yeah, mine was, there's some people that have that awakening and it's just like spontaneous. It's so quick and it's like, I'm done all happens at once. And that can feel really overwhelming. And I know that there's people, I know many that have had that kind of an an experience. And yet mine, I would explain it as being a little bit slower, was probably easier to take in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I did, but was it hard still? Yeah, my back pain was – it was miserable. I was yeah. really debilitated for almost 10 years in my 20s to into my early 30s, some of the best years of your life. And um, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it is what helped wake me up. Yeah. But then um, – so I had my, my healing in 2006 – Then I just started getting more and more curious. I started reading books that maybe I wouldn't. I even remember my dad. um, He came and watched my kids once. And I had a book on my nightstand called The Spiritual Man. Mm -hmm. And it's by an author named Watchman Nee. He was Christian at the time. And... um, but this was a big old 700-page book sitting there, and I was I was enthralled with it. It was really fascinating and um, was one of these first books that, you know, you step out of the Mormon church anyway, and you, you're not buying all your books at Deseret Book. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this one was gifted to me, and I loved it, and I was reading it. And I came back from that trip, and my dad approached me, and he said, so uh, he was really uncomfortable. This is kind of how my dad Aww. operates. And he's like, so there's a... Book on your nightstand, and I said, "Yeah, spiritual man, like it's such an awesome book." And and he goes, "I'm really concerned, Angie." And I said, "Wait, what are you concerned about?" And he's like, "Well, that book, I don't know about it." And I said, "What's great? Like, if you want to borrow it, you can read it, you know." And (laughs) and he sat, I kid you not, in my kitchen for the next eleven hours, trying to convince me that I was wrong in reading that book, and trying to cite scriptures and tell me. And I said, "Dad." I don't even understand the scriptures the way that you do anymore. I said, everything you've just quoted does not, that's not how I understand it. You're, you're getting a completely different take on it than I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just finally said to my dad, I said, perhaps we believe in the different God. Yeah. And he was like, well, no, like I, what did I do wrong? I, I no, reached you I, and I said, so this isn't really about me. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he'd ever thought about that. And mm-hmm. he was the one in tears. And he's like, Angie, I think you're going to go to hell. And I said, "That's interesting that you say that. I am filled more with love yeah. than I ever have before, and I know what that feeling is." And you know, so he he was uncomfortable with me stepping outside, reading something that was not, you know, um, Mormon literature, mm-hmm. and and that just made me realize how much, um, and just think and ponder on how often I recall being told. Don't read this, don't yeah. read that, don't look, mm-hmm. you know, don't look outside the box. Right. <laughs> like you said, like if you do, you might discover something new and get more curious. And yet... And be led astray. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet, curiosity, like, I I am a very curious being. Mm-hmm. And this, you're talking about people that are raised in a church that started from a very curious 14-year-old. Right. Really? We can't all ask the same questions and we can't all go down the same path and mm-hmm. if it doesn't lead us to the same place we're wrong? Right. You know. So yeah.
0: So how is your relationship Great. with your dad now? Is he still um, Mormon?
1: He's yeah, my whole family, I'm the I am that black sheep. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, mine was um, my relationship with my dad's fine. I, I definitely have pulled away from my family. Um, I've noticed it's sort of like my days in Sunday school when I would say things that would make people uncomfortable. If I'm with a family gathering... I usually think outside the box because that's how I think now. I'm not trying to test anyone. I'm not trying to um, be difficult. I'm just being authentic. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to pretend and have a conversation where, oh, let me just join you in what you're willing to talk about. Like, if I have a different thought, I'm going to say it and share it. And I've recognized that it makes my family really quite, meaning my siblings, really quite uncomfortable. But yet our children recognize it, that like I left a family gathering last Christmas and I remember my 17 year old son we got in the car and he just took a deep breath and, and like let out a sigh and I said what's up and he goes oh my goodness we can stop talking about the most petty lame things Aww. and we can actually finally be real
0: yeah and
1: I said oh you you experienced it that way too he goes mm-hmm. mom you can only talk about a casserole recipe for so long you can only talk about <laughs> how you bought the wrong size of shoes for your son for 20 minutes like oh. really he goes, why can't we talk about things that actually matter? Yeah, And I said, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. They Mm -hmm. they stay where it's safe because if you get, you know, too outside the box, you're going to get really uncomfortable. Well, and that's what they know.
0: Right. I think that that is one thing that most, and I'm sure you've had this experience too. One of the biggest pain points is losing your community and the family aspect and how to navigate. And I think to everybody, it's a unique experience and what you choose to do. I've learned I do keep my mouth shut. So my family engagements, I'm not super close with my brothers. I don't know that I ever will be. Yeah, And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I'll still show up. I'll still interact. I'll still do what whatnot. But it, again, everybody to each their own. But you do get to a point to where, for me, it's not worth it because it does force them to question or it will be a trigger point or it will be, you know, if I have a different way of thinking about something. Yeah, And I've just learned to, I'm just going to shut my mouth and that's okay. It right. doesn't mean they're right and I'm wrong. No. It just means I'm choosing to be there, but I'm also choosing to be there on my terms. Yeah. Which means I'm not going to get into anything. And that's great that they want to talk about this. I don't agree with that in one, <laughs> one ounce of me, but all right. Right. Have fun.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting. One thing that came up for me recently, Amanda, is that if people um, test me or, or ask like, well, you know, families, everything, because of course, the that's really in, ingrained in everyone, oh, especially yeah. in Mormonism with mm-hmm. eternal families, right? Families, everything. Well, If they got familiar with scriptures, and I don't remember exactly which one this is, but I know it's in one of the first four Gospels in the New Testament. It talks about how, um, according to Christ's teachings, of course, Christ never wrote a book. I think that many people would have tested him on, you know, they would have challenged what he said and questioned it. So I think he just didn't write a book. But there's a scripture that talks about how you, in order to have a connection with God, um, you have to be willing to give up everything, including your parents, your children. Hmm. What are you willing to give up for that connection with source? In other words, another way to look at it in like the new age would be if you want a connection with that divine energy, when you are really tapped in mm-hmm. and you get answers quickly, what are you willing to give up? Yeah. If you have a hard relationship and it's it's really... Um, a volatile. Mm-hmm. And every time that you lean into that relationship whether it be with a parent or a child, a sibling and it just leaves you frazzled. Is that worth it? Right. To cut off that connection, mm-hmm. you know, to to source and have answers come quickly and be divinely guided and mm-hmm. because I know what that feels like now. And what am I willing to give up for that? Yeah. I'd actually be willing to give up everything mm-hmm. because that matters more to me. Than anything, and that's hard for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I love my children dearly. I love my spouse. I love, like I love my family of origin that I came from. But if it's always going to be um, difficult, and and it's not with my children, it's not with my spouse. But with some of my siblings, mm-hmm. it most certainly is, yeah. you know, and they, they can't let go and just say, Angie's having an experience that she wants to have. I chose it, you know, that mutual I, respect. Mm-hmm. Right. And that every time I turn around, I'm getting sent a conference talk or a, you really should be reading this or mm-hmm. you should I'm like, stop shooting me. Like right. I'm, I'm have, I'm happy as can be. And my only thing back to them, my recourse is look at my fruits. Mm -hmm. I have a very healthy body. Mm -hmm. I have very healthy relationships close to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm successful and I'm doing what I love. And you're happy. And I'm happy. So by their fruits you shall know them. Mm -hmm. Know what? Somebody who's actually getting the results that they desire. The struggle stops when you actually live from your heart and you're aligned with who you are. And, you
0: know, so... Well, I know yeah. th- there's that one, and I don't know if this is just an a unconscious belief or just a, oh, I don't know what to, I don't believe that there's any teachings around it, but there is a belief that when people step out of the Mormon religion, that they will be un- unhappy, that mm-hmm. they are going to have consequences, trials, tribulations, yada, yada, yada. For me, in my experience, when I would, I've been, you know, I got divorced Left religion and then was married and divorced a few more times until I found my person. And I've had some really challenging experiences since I left religion. And there was a part of me that was like, oh shit, they're there, they're going to think they're right. 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 Yeah. And I had to make my peace with it with, you know what, let them think what they're going to think. I know that what I'm doing is, you know, it's coming back home to myself. When you start tapping into that source energy, that God energy Mm -hmm. that is within us, you're coming home to yourself that, yeah, I would give up and I did give up pretty much everything yeah and there's something too that i want to touch on with with the whole family system that boundaries are really important and that's something again especially if you've been raised in mormonism most people are not taught boundaries ever right Right. i wasn't Mm -hmm. and it's i had to get to a point in being in a family text we have this family text group they would start talking about religious stuff And finally, I said, hey, how about you guys start another? And my sister's now left. How about you start another group that doesn't include my sister and myself because we have no interest in these topics anymore? You know, and that feels a little ballsy, but it's a boundary I'm setting. And it's from a place of love of honoring who I am. And it's like, okay, you guys can do that, but don't include us in it. And I don't know if you've had that experience with your family when they send you these things of, hey... No, thank you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I
1: I do. I have a sister that just went on a month long, you know, church history tour and Uh, sending all of the pictures and all of the, and a testimony of every place that they went to and how they could, you know, feel the spirit and everything. mm And, and for me, I don't doubt that people feel the spirit. The spirit is love, you know, but in a a lot of things, (laughs) right. But how many people, when we talked about programming earlier, do they understand that feelings are programmed as well? you yeah. have programmed feelings you have programmed thoughts mm-hmm. and thinking and then there's actual real feelings you know mm-hmm. and if you've been programmed to to cry at testimony meeting every sunday then you need to really ask like am i just crying cuz everyone else is crying mm-hmm. or am i really feeling um, feeling something and it's a per- you know, it's a personal yeah. experience so but you did ask like how um how was leaving and was it really difficult and mm-hmm. stuff? Mine wasn't. That's what's interesting because you, you brought up community. I've thought a lot about mine. Mine was is a very unique way because of as moving around as I did and then leaving, getting divorced in 2015, moving back here in 2016, just a year later, I really arrived here, moved into a whole new neighborhood around people, barely went to church for two months. And then stopped going. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really created a community yet. Yeah, you just. I wasn't. Yeah, you know, dependent on any of my friends there, or what are they all going to think? I honestly didn't care what anyone thought. It was more about like, am I happy? Yeah. Am I? Is this feeling good to do this? And no, there's there was things that felt off, quite Mm -hmm. a bit off. You know, Mm -hmm. so my leaving was, um, I would say pretty much void of a lot of that. And I immediately had friends, I I Mm, stopped wearing my garments immediately. I know some people that, you know, for instance, left religion a year ago, and they still wear their garments. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and and those kinds of things. And I, I see that it can be uncomfortable, especially when you've been surrounded by the same people all the time. I... Probably the most uncomfortable was my family, my, yeah. my siblings, because I knew that the moment I start showing up in sleeveless shirts or shorter shorts or something, they're going to oh, what is Andrew doing? You mm-hmm. know, and I'm going to get the looks or the even if checks. they don't say anything, you know, <laughs> exactly. And so that did happen a little bit with my mm-hmm. family, but I finally just was like, uh, no, I'm, and I never once had the conversation. I know some people pull their families aside and will tell them hey, I'm leaving. I didn't, because I thought to myself, do I need to do that? Yeah. I, I don't owe them anything. This mm-hmm. is my family. They can choose to keep loving me and see that I'm a good human being. And and I have had a lot of miraculous things. Mm. So mine has been a little bit different than I didn't experience a struggle. Yeah. Um, sure, there's a it, there was a landing on my feet after getting divorced and things like that. Um, but I didn't have um, things that I felt like were struggles I actually started having like really miraculous amazing crazy Mm, weird things happen in my life Mm -hmm. and and so that actually was interesting to watch it from that point and have my siblings go how come these things are happening for you and you're not doing what's right Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah you ought to ask yourself that like why is all this good stuff happening in my life you know and so that was that was -hmm. a little bit more of my story so I didn't have the community and I didn't yeah you I had great friends in Seattle, some of my best friends ever. And I did have some of them, like after I posted a few pictures on social media or something and sleeveless shirts and stuff, I had some of my best friends call me and kind of dance around their words for a minute. And then finally, like it was a small talk. And then the questions came, I noticed you're wearing a sleeveless shirt. Angie, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. Like... (laughs) everything's wonderful. Well, I'm concerned about you. And I don't think that there's many um, people that use those lines that Mm -hmm. really think about what they're saying before that in and of itself is programmed. Major oh, I should check on them. I'm really concerned. You know, it's the same thing I heard from my dad. And it was like, right, you know, I, it just never made any sense to me.
0: Well, in some ways, because you know what you do know, I would imagine that there is a level of compassion that you've had for these people in your life, recognizing that they're actually just responding from programs that they've had and that they're choosing to continue to, to live out. I would imagine it would bring a level of compassion as these people are. And maybe I'm wrong. Actually, yeah, I did. I had a lot of compassion because I
1: I knew where they were. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yeah. I've been the one maybe even who had those thoughts. Like, I'm concerned about this person. Another one that cr- crossed my mind often that I heard and just brought um, new levels of awareness to me was how often you hear um, – well mormons because that's my my history say i've lost my child when somebody goes inactive oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like you've lost them mm-hmm. where do you, where do you think they went yeah. and and do you realize how debilitating of a belief that is that's right. that is breaking you from the inside out that's not a serving belief mm-hmm. let go yeah. like you haven't lost anyone our dna ties us together and that mm-hmm. was one of my own epiphanies was you know you're taught you have eternal families and that you have to go to a temple and you have to seal it there and everything. And I thought, once I really learned and understood DNA and understood who we are and you know and how our family lines um carry on and and that certain traits and everything is just passed on to us, I went, it's part of my awakening, I went, oh my goodness, we're all bound together. Yeah. We're all one and no one Can actually just break that, Mm -hmm. so I don't have to make promises in a building, and you know, and those kinds of things. And so there were all the little pieces that just epiphanies, and, and just would build on them, and and allow myself to think differently than what I was raised to think about them, and. Mm -hmm. come to my own conclusion. And that's what I believe is that we have to be willing to let go of everything we think we know so that we can actually learn from within because all the knowledge is held inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. anyway. So we will awaken to it as soon as we open the door, as soon as we allow ourselves to see things differently Mm -hmm. Um, and in our own way. Right?
0: Yeah. That's so, beautiful. I know we're getting a little short on time. Um, because you do work with clients and you've gone through your own experience, what would be something that, say you know, someone's listening right now that's like, this is all great. And yeah, okay, I'm the programming piece. Let's talk about that for a minute. What would you recommend somebody could do as far as a self-tool for them to self-resource with deprogramming some of these programs that may be still running? And that's partly why it's challenging for them to transition out.
1: Yeah. Um, The one, the very first thing that I assist Everyone in, and I'm a firm believer of it. Um, is to start with gratitude. Mm. Gra- I mean, that can that might sound religious to some people because you hear about it in religion, but um, when you really understand the science behind it, and mm-hmm. understand that gratitude is one of the frequencies that um, raises us up. In other yeah. words, you know, and and that causes more health, more vitality, more. Um, m- healthier relationships, you know, but more connection, um, we really can just change the lens that we view reality through Mm -hmm. by practicing gratitude. And if we start there and just create a habit of gratitude where you realize that you are thoughts, feelings, and actions. So if I can have a thankful thought, well, I better after that, drop it into my heart because most people stop right there. They just think grateful thoughts, you know, but if you can think a thankful thought, drop it into your heart and feel grateful Mm -hmm. or feel appreciation for someone and then act on it. Now I'm going to do some small act, you Mm -hmm. know, um, whether you want to call it paying it forward or, you know, some kind, simple deed. Um, when you, when you take it through your whole being, it changes your state of being. Mm -hmm. And that one helped me a lot. I worked on, um, creating habit of gratitude till for months and months and months. So I was literally driving down the road, being grateful for mailboxes and gutters and <laughs> like, and but it was really, I'd become it. I'm mm. not making that up. I would just, I would be in tears. I, it was like, as you awaken to like your emotions, real emotions turn on, you yeah. know? And um, so anyway, I started there. And then after that, like, uh, you can go anywhere, um, mm-hmm. but really start to understand um, who you are. Like, and it's okay to ask that question. Who am I Mm -hmm. over and over and over again? And you'll be guided. Mm -hmm. I've definitely been guided to learn more and more about who I am, where I came from, who I came from. And, um, and it didn't come all at once. It's, it's been years and yeah. I get little pieces all the time, new epiphanies, new, um, awarenesses. I've had dreams, I've had, um, visions, you know, and, mm. and that sounds funny because we're here that talking about, funny to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. But when you first, I think sometimes when you first leave religion, you think, well, they talk about that in religion, but do people really have those, yeah. you know? And, and I didn't until I left. Right. And you know, I did have some experiences here and there, but now they're like regular occurrences mm-hmm. and and that's why I just feel like it's when you're really tuned in, tapped in, turned on, and you know, yeah. um so I would say, I would suggest anyone, a real gentle start is to just practice gratitude mm-hmm. and even as you're leaving because you think you're leaving so much behind, yeah, and yet. Be grateful for what is ahead of you. Be grateful Mm -hmm. for what is um, right there in front of your eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. and be present. And and even
0: grateful for what you did experience, because there is a lot of gratitude that you can give for the experiences that you did have, even though if you're choosing out of something, there's still opportunity to give gratitude and see, see the gifts in what was and now where you're going at least yeah. in my experience. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I've have no ill feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that I see through the illusion, you yeah. know, and, um, the one thing that, um, I, I believe is a travesty. If I were to say and, and go that bold is that in pretty much every big box religion is that they, they teach women that they're not, you know, they're not as, um, priesthood holders or, mm-hmm. um, as powerful as men. And yet it is a yin and a yang that yeah. is a divine masculine, divine feminine balance. That is what we're seeking even mm-hmm. within
0: ourselves. And, um, so well, you had Christ and Mary Magdalene that were together when he healed.
1: Yeah. And she's left out of the equation. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and, Yeah. So that that's kind of my take on it is that without that balance and even the gratitude I spoke of, gratitude balances your right and left hemispheres, which Mm -hmm. is balancing your masculine and your feminine. It's balancing you. Mm -hmm. And when you're more balanced, you actually end up being surrounded by individuals, you'll come into contact with a partner that's more balanced, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when you start to see that it's, it's beautiful in our lives and in our relationships and um, moving forward. And so it can be that simple. And that's what I would just leave it at that um, with our, you know, shortness of time, but gratitude Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest things that we can do for
0: ourselves. Well, thank you. And then if someone wanted to, because I know you do one-on-one sessions and you're you're brilliant. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Um,
1: probably right now I'm having an entire website
0: revamped. So, um, probably
1: my email and it's Angela Dawn, Mm -hmm. exactly how it sounds. A-N-G-E-L-A-D-A-W-N at com and that's i-n-l-i-g-h-t-e-n-y-o-u Perfect. and yeah i work with mindset reprogramming um a life you know a life coach and um a spiritual intuitive and uh so anyway i i can help with all kinds of different things and awesome. there is a lot of people like you've come across that um especially in this neck of the woods where we live mm-hmm. that are um considering leaving or in the middle of leaving religion. And, um, I think it's just going to increase because that part of that spiritual awakening is. um, Yeah. Yeah. A big
0: part of it. For sure. And I'll make sure I'll put your email in the show notes. So if you're trying to get a hold of her, I'll put it in the show notes. Look for it there. Thanks. That's but nice. Thank yeah. you so much. In fact, I'm sitting here. I'm like, God, man, you and I could have some interesting conversations. Maybe we'll do a second. Yeah. Because we could talk about all sorts of things. But yeah, I appreciate you. It's thank so you so fun. much for being here.
1: <laughs> I'm so thrilled for what you're doing. This oh, is so you. needed. And there's so many people with a lot of questions yeah. and I am a, kind of a bookworm and a nerd and I've read thousands of books and and I find a lot of answers mm-hmm. as I put pieces together but there's a lot of people out there that aren't like that and so yeah. then they just
0: kind of flounder and they're looking for
1: questions you know or yeah. people they that don't know can, where to go. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a great tool. Yeah, I'm so excited. So awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today man, each time I have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared, they are always so beautiful and so touching. I hope that something resonated with you. Maybe it was an answer to something that you are seeking. You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there, or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day, and remember, you are not alone.